0: You're listening to another life-transforming message from C3 Church San Diego. For more information on our church, go to C3SanDiego.com. The title of this message tonight is The Cry, is the cry of every human being. It, 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 is, it, is, it is the need of every human being. It is the cry of every human being. Though probably maybe 90% of people on our planet don't realize that this is the cry of their soul, that this is the cry of their heart. The title of my message tonight is called Cover Me. Cover Me. Come with me in your Bibles to Psalm 140. Psalm 140 verse 7 says this. It says, O God the Lord, the strength of my salvation, you have... Come on somebody, you have, you have covered my head in the day of battle. One more time, O oh God the Lord, the strength of my salvation. You have covered my head in the day of battle. This was penned by King David. King David knows that when, when he goes into battle, when he goes into battle against Goliath, when he goes into battle against the Philistines, that he's not going there under without cover. Right. David is saying, Oh oh God, you're the strength of my salvation because you cover my head in the day of battle. I, I used to love watching, you know, movies and you know the cowboys are shooting against the, the the banditos and you know and there's like this, you know, and then then one guy goes, Cover me and the, you know and, and the other guy you know puts down a a whole bunch of, you know, fire so that he can quickly run to this place because, you know, they couldn't get access. And then as soon as he gets there, he tumbles on the ground and takes out one of the guys, yes, because, you know, someone covered him. Someone covered him, right? Let me just go a little bit deeper before I open it up. Uh, go to Luke chapter 11, 21, 22. Luke chapter 11, 21, 22. Jesus here teaches something that I think that we too often read over, don't really comprehend, don't understand the weight or the gravity of what Jesus taught here. This is one of the most powerful revolutionary revelations ever given to, to mankind from heaven. Reve- uh, Luke chapter 11, 21 to 22. Have a look what it says it says when a strong man fully armed guards his own palace his goods are in peace but when a stronger than he comes upon him and overpowers him he takes from him all his armor in which he trusted and divided his spoils one more time when a strong man fully armed guards his own palace his goods are in peace but when one stronger than he comes upon him and overcomes him, he takes from him all his armour in which he trusted and divided his spoils. In the Gospel of Matthew, the same teaching is just uh, translated a little bit differently. In Matthew it says, when a, when a strong man fully armed guards his house, his goods are safe. But when one stronger than he comes, he must first bind the strong man And once he binds the strong man, he takes away all the armor that he trusted in. And then he's able to plunder the house, plunder the house. Uh, Most of you know that just a couple of months ago, we took two busloads of people to Israel and I had an encounter with God in my bathroom in Israel (laughs) with a Hebrew letter in the floor mat. It was like the the weird thing. But ever since then, I've been on this kind of little, little Hebrew letter journey with God. And what's amazing is that when Jesus taught the disciples to pray, he says, when you pray, say, our, our Father. So we read that and we think, oh, that's beautiful, our Father. How, how lovely Jesus introduced God as, as uh, you know, not the great potentate, not the great king, but he introduced him as our Father. But it's interesting because Jesus would have been speaking to the Jewish disciples in Hebrew. And so when he taught them, to how to say our father, the word father is actually the first two letters of the Hebrew alphabet. In fact, it's where we get the word alphabet, aleph, bait, is aleph is the first letter and bait is the second letter. The first letter aleph and the second letter bait is the word ab where we get abraham, which means father of a multitude or abram, exalted father. It's interesting because Everything in the Hebrew is the the letter, when you pull the letters apart, it tells you everything about the composition. tells you everything about the nature and the structure. And so the word father comes from two letters, the aleph and the bait. Bait is where we get uh, Bethlehem or Bethel, the house of God, and it means house of. Aleph has a picture, and the picture is that of an ox. The aleph is the ox. The ox means strength. It means first. It also means sacrifice. They sacrifice the oxen. So the aleph is the strength, is the ox, is the first. Bait, the second letter, is house. Therefore, God is communicating to us that the father is the ox. He's the strength he's the sacrifice, he's the first in the house. That the strength of the house lies in the Father. The strength of the house lies in the Father. Jesus taught his disciples that when you pray, say, our Father, in other words, you've come into a house. When the Bible speaks about a house, it doesn't speak about a residential address per se, or it doesn't limit it to a residential address. When it talks about the house of David, that Mary and Joseph were of the house of David, that Jesus was of the house of David. A house is not, we've been conditioned in our Western thinking to think that a house is a physical address. A house is your lineage. A house is your prodigy. And so here, the word house, attached to the ox, Aleph Bait, is the word for father. The father is the strength of the house. This is really important because suicides in America right now, 63% of youth suicides come from father absent households. Of all the runaways, 90% of all of our homeless and runaway youths come from father absent households. Behavioural disorders, 85% of all children that exhibit behavioural disorders come from father absent households. High school dropouts, 71% of high school dropouts come from father absent households. In juvenile detention, 70% of juveniles in state-operated institutions, father absent households. Substance abuse, 75% of adolescent patients in substance abuse centres, father absent household. Aggression, 75% of rapists motivated by displaced anger, father absent household. 91% of prison inmates, the number one contributor to childhood poverty in the home, father absent households. A 2016 report <coughs> excuse me, of teenagers placed in juvenile residential facilities shows that 45% were living with only one parent at the time. The world is going to try to tell you that the number one threat facing the world today is climate change, is global warming. And the answer, the answer they tell you is, is give them access to 70% of your income. And even though we can't fix a DMV, we can fix a planet. Thank God, thank God I'm speaking to the smart people that aren't dumb enough to believe that. I I want to put to you that, that the devil's warfare today is on fathers. The devil's warfare is on the house. It was Socrates who first said, as it goes with the family, so goes the nation. As it goes with the family, so goes the nation. As it goes with the home, so goes the community. The strength of the home is in the Father. The strength of the home is in the Father. Every single one of us as we're doing this family-ish series, God is going to begin to heal and deal and He's going to stir up some issues. But don't worry, you're in the right house because we're not just going to talk about the issues and we're not going to just talk about the problems and the perplexities, but we're also going to bring up solutions. We're going to have ministry time. You're going to find you're going to have breakthrough. Everything is going to shift this series for you. The Bible shows us that Adam was created in a wilderness, not in a garden. Eve was created from his side while Adam was in the garden, but but Adam was created in the wilderness. The Bible says God created Adam from the dust, from the ground. And then the next chapter, chapter 2 says, and the Lord God planted a garden eastward in Eden, and there he put the man whom he had formed. This is very important that you catch this because you need to understand this is is a, a, a repetitive mission statement by God. Adam was created in the wilderness. The wilderness is his familiar territory. But then he places him in a garden where he can see what is possible, where can, he can see what is potential. In the garden, everything is serene, it is tranquil, it is beautiful, it is peaceful, it is fragrant, it is pretty, it is taste, it is prosperous, it is lavish, it is lush, it is gorgeous, it is magnificent, the wilderness is barren, it is dry, it is empty, it is desolate. And Adam's assignment is to take what was familiar Understand what he has seen is possible, and then go from what is possible and take the seed of what he caught impossible. Take the seed of what he saw impossible, go to the edge of the garden where garden meets wilderness. Wilderness is here, garden is here, and he's to go to the edge of the wilderness and take the seed from possible and plant it in what was once barren, desolate, and familiar, thus increasing paradise, thus increasing the garden, and decreasing barren, decreasing desolate. Every single one of us have come from a familiar background that may have been desolate as far as love, may have been desolate as far as approval, may have been desolate as far as affirmation, may have desolate as far as an example on how to be a husband, how to be a father, how to be a good son, how to be, it may have been desolate, but can I tell you when you come into the kingdom, when you come into the house of God, The church is the garden of Eden in the earth. The church is the planting of the Lord. When you come into this house, you will see the promise. You will see what is possible. If you will take the seed of this house, you can go to your barren, you can go to your dysfunctional, you you can go to what is desolate, and you can begin to plant the seed and begin to increase and begin to turn over the wilderness so that the wilderness starts looking like the promise. So the wilderness starts looking like the promise. Let me, let me give you one more one more scripture and I, I close my Bible. Let me give you one more scripture. This is this is really important. It's gonna help me to land. First Samuel chapter 30. 1 Samuel chapter 30, verse 3. David has gone out on on uh, with his men, and while he's been out doing what men do, hunting, taking territory, the Bible says the Amalekites came in. And in verse 3, it says that they, uh, David and his men came to the city and there it was, burned with fire. Their wives, their sons and their daughters had been taken captive. Then David and all the people who were with him lifted up their voices and wept until they had no more power to weep. And David's two wives, Ahinoam the Jezreelite, and Abigail the widow of Nabal the Carmelite had been taken captive. Now David was greatly distressed for, his, for the people spoke of stoning him because the soul of all the people was grieved, every man for his sons and his daughters. But David strengthened himself in the Lord his God. Verse 7. Then David said to Abiathar the priest. Who was Abiathar? The then David said to the Abiathar the priest, Ahimelech's son, please bring the ephod here to me. It's very important. You want to underline that. Please bring the ephod here to me. And Abiathar brought the ephod to David. So David inquired of the Lord saying, shall I pursue this troop? Shall I overtake them? And God answered him, pursue, for you shall surely overtake them. And without fail, come on somebody, without fail, without fail recover all without fail recover all i want you to notice that the word recover the title of my message is cover me when the fathers had left the home the enemy came in burnt the home to the ground took their wives took their children captive the language that God uses with David is you go after the enemy, son. You go after the enemy. you shall surely overtake them and you shall get everything back. But the word get everything back is recover. The devil knows if I can take the covering out, if I can take the strength out, if I can take the head out, if I can take the ox out, if I can take the first out of the home, then I can plunder, I can take, I can destroy the house, I can destroy the marriage, I can destroy the children, I can get them addicted, I can get them dysfunctional, I can get them, I can do all kinds of things. But God David inquires of the Lord, and God says, Go after them, go after the enemy, for you shall surely recover what was taken when the cover was lifted that's a word for somebody today you grew up without a covering you grew up there was no covering there was no daddy in the home but when, when I finished Bible school God at the time I didn't appreciate it but God took me from from Bible school after having three years of uh, Old Testament survey New Testament survey homiletics you know it was just wonderful the epistles Learning, ministry, moving in the gifts, the gifts of the Spirit, it was awesome. And then he says, right, now I'm gonna take you and I'm gonna drop you in New Zealand. Now New Zealand is stunning, it is stunning. But where he put us was in Monaco City, New Zealand. Monaco City, New Zealand is, uh, well our church was 85% Maori Polynesian. Monaco City had the highest suicide rate in the Western world. Monaco City had the highest abuse rate, the highest divorce rate, the highest rate of gangs and gang violence, the highest rate of rapes and and break-and-enters. And he puts me there. The reason he put us there is because he wanted to show me that everything that I learned in theory in the classroom, that I could have a first-hand baptism experience to see what the world without His Word looks like. We, we did an outreach in a school and uh, we had uh, 43, 43 young ladies get, get saved at this school. Tuesday night we did New Christians class and at the New Christians class, I'm trying to teach New Christians just the basics of what Jesus did when he died on the cross and then I started talking about um, sexually being abused and I'm like, oh, excuse me. So I tried to get it back and then I started, was down that path again. By the third time I realised the Holy Ghost was trying, so I said, okay, stop. Everyone just bow your head, close your eyes. I said, if you have been sexually abused or are currently being sexually abused, would you raise your hand? 41 of the 43 girls raised their hand. I thought, oh, hang on, hang on, I must have said it wrong. I said, no, put your hands down. Sorry, sorry. No, no, I said, if you are currently or if you have been. 41 hands went up. In the the Maori Polynesian culture, and Peter Arnold will, will tell you, that the parents don't discipline the children. Discipline is not done by the parents, it's done by the elders of the tribe. Now this works in the, the, the Polynesian countries or had worked for, for many centuries, but with the advent of them moving to the Western civilization with the introduction of alcohol and illicit drugs and pornography, all of that it did was it took these children to elders who were drunks and addicts and, And then abuse just went through the roof. The sad thing is abusing people abuse people. We had a, uh, on my pastoral care list was a particular lady in our church. Her daddy left when she was just seven years of age. Uh, Her uncle began to molest and interfere with her when she was 11 years of age. She ended up in prostitution. She gets radically saved in our church. But the problem was, back then, we thought that once someone gets saved, our work here is done. Now we realise that we can't get people saved. That's what Jesus does. And then once they're saved, he asks us to make disciples. Discipleship happens after salvation, not up unto salvation. Anyway, we didn't understand that back then. So she was on my pastoral care list, and I would go to visit with this lady. And... She had uh, nine children to eight different men. The last man that she had two children with was blind and even he left her. She was very, very broken, just a very, very broken woman. She felt that if she could get pregnant with a man, she would lure him, knowing what a man's weaknesses were. She would lure him in, get pregnant and then think, now I've snagged him, I've captured him, he will stay but none of them stayed. So she had nine children all growing up with no daddy, not knowing who their daddy was, with a very, very broken mama. And I remember she would, she would beg me to prophesy over her children. She goes, can you prophesy, Pastor Eugen, Pastor Eugen, can you prophesy that such and such would be a man of God? And she'd always ask me to do that because she felt like I know that my parenting's not working, so maybe you can prophesy that they're going to be a man of God, then, then you know, that, that might be the spell breaker the oldest three boys were all in prison and a couple of years ago when I was back in New Zealand there was a a late night uh alert on the the late night news and it was an escapee from Mount Eden prison and they were chasing this kid and it was the kid who was used to be my youth group and I just thought what hope do they have I remember one year it was Easter and uh And I was on kids' church duty for Easter and it was awesome. We'd organise the Easter Bunny to come in and he had two big bags full of, you know, candy and chocolate eggs and everything. So we got everybody to hide, you know, and and turned off all the lights and – the youngest of, of the nine children was this little three year old girl, cute as a button, little three year old. So we're all hiding. She's about maybe five feet from me, and uh, you know we're all hiding. The lights are out, and then there's a, pum pum pum, knock on the door, pum pum pum, knock on the door, and then the the leader of our kids church says, "Kids, there's someone at the door. I wonder who it is." And this little three year old yells out, Shh, "I think it's the cops!" <laughs> kind of explains the <laughs> I'm not sure if Rena's here. Rena came to me one, one week so excited she had 24 kids give their lives to Christ at a middle school outreach that we did. And it was so amazing. And uh, but unfortunately um, they came on Friday night, all got resaved and unfortunately we found that, that one of the kids who was just a couple of years older who was 14 was was kind of uh, misbehaving and abusing these other other boys. And so we sat this kid down and began to speak to him about what is and isn't appropriate. And then it came out that he'd been sexually interfered with on a regular basis by the man who lived across the street that his guardian grandma, because his mum and dad, had split up when he was just a little boy and... One was in prison, the other was an addict, so Grandma took him in. Grandma looked after him and she would go out to the, to the club and she would go out to the casino and so she would get the guy across the street who happily volunteered. We go around because we have now a duty and a, an obligation to speak to Grandma. We go around, we knock on the door and, and uh, she looks through the like this and no one answers the door, so we knock again and... We hear rustling around inside, doesn't come to the door, so we knock a third time and now the door opens a little bit. Yes, what do you want? I said, oh, you know, um, are you such and such as grandmother? She goes, yes, but if he's not at school, it's not my fault. If he don't, look, if he's it, it's not. I said, no, no, he's, he's, not, he's not truiting. Well, if he's stolen anything, then it's not. I, I've told him, you know what, I'm sick of taking him to the police. I said, we don't know if he's, but can we come in? We have something very, very delicate, something. We don't want to stand on the porch, but we need to, to tell you something. So we go in and we tell her the story about the the guy across the road that she'd been getting to babysit who'd been abusing this poor little boy. True story. She's sitting at the table and she looks at us and she goes, you don't know anyone who's selling a washing machine. The children and young person services said that because there was no presence of a father or no male figure in the home, there was no guardian the grandma was too old and, and too disconnected so they took him and they put him in a, in a juvenile home. I remember taking him there and he's crying because he didn't want to be in a juvenile home. He hadn't, as far as he knew, he, like, what have I done? Well, I don't want to be here. And So all of a sudden we get a phone call, good news, good news. Grandma had located his uncle from Gisborne. His uncle from Gisborne was coming up and so now there was a male in the home and his uncle would look after him. And so, so we take him home. The next day I go and visit this young man and how's it all going, how's, you know, how's your uncle? He goes, oh, yeah, yeah, good. And I said, oh, you know, all all right? He goes, yeah, yeah, oh, yeah. He was teaching me how to drive. I'm like, you should be driving, you're 14. He goes, oh, yeah, he drove out to, to West Auckland where, you know, his friend lives. I said, oh, you know, how'd that go? And he says, oh, well, you know, when we got out there, his friend says, oh, What's, what's this young man like in bed? And, my, and this guy who said he was his uncle said, oh, I don't know, but I'll find out tonight. He said, and last night he climbed into the bed with me. See, what had happened was the grandma got $175 a week from the government to be the caretaker of this young man. She wanted that $175 a week because it paid for her cigarettes, paid for her alcohol and paid for her to go to the, the club and the casino. When they were going to take him away because there was no father figure in the home, she just went to the same club casino and found a, a, a guy. We did a background check on the guy, found out he was a convicted pedophile. The story gets worse, not better. But I began to see this continual pattern where there was no strength, where there was no ox, where there was no father. The devil just has that, where there's no strength. Prostitution, girls in prostitution, number one common denominator, no daddy. To put worth, to put value, to put esteem in them. The devil knows if I can take out the strength, if I can bind the strong man, if I can take out the strength of the house, if I can remove the ox, from the house, I can plunder the goods. I got good news. That scripture that Jesus read about the strong man doesn't just apply to the devil. The good news is that when one stronger than he comes, see, Satan was pacing around on the earth. Where have you come from? Book of Job. And Satan says, I've come from the earth, from walking back and forth and going to and fro upon it. In other words, every place the soul of my foot shall tread, this is my territory. G- Jesus, he takes Jesus up onto a high mountain, shows him all the kings of the world and their glory and their splendor and says, all these have been delivered to me and I can give it to whoever I want, if you'll bow down before me. But Jesus didn't come to bow down. He came to dispossess. He came to bind the strong man. Jesus, I want you to know the Bible says in the book of Colossians that Jesus defeated the devil, triumphing over him through the cross, having made a public spectacle of what they used to do in in ancient warfare times is if there was a champion on the other team, quite often they wouldn't kill the champion. They would just wound him and then they would tie him behind their chariots and drag them and parade them this was once the champion this was once this great warrior from this other from this other kingdom from this other army but look how we have completely humiliated and completely defeated. and quite often they'd be bleeding and gasping and the whole town would come out to cheer that's the language the apostle Paul uses for what Jesus did to the devil how he made a public spectacle of the devil and his angels triumphing over them through the cross So let me give you three thoughts and then we're gonna open up the altar and we're we're gonna pray. For the title of my message tonight, Cover Me, You're Gonna Recover. We're gonna pray for things to be recovered. Let me just give you three. There are three things that we're doing. There are three things that that we're doing with with developing men through our Emerge ministry. The first one is this. We're we're developing men who who are present. Men who are present. Research and Psychological analysis shows that just a father present, not, not engaged, not, not communicating, not even endearing, just, just, just present, just sitting in the chair, reading the newspaper, watching the news, the kids will play in perfect peace. They will pay, play stable and secure, knowing that the presence of strength is there. Do you know that, that, that wolves and predators, when they see the ox, leave the herd alone because they don't want to deal with the ox? The presence of the ox, just the presence of the ox, wards off the predators. There's just something about being present. There's something about being present. Now, we know that there are people that are present and they, they feel disqualified because of their dysfunctions. So, the second thing we want to do is we want to activate. We want to activate our men. We want to activate our fathers. You'll notice in this story that David, who is anointed king of Israel, in this situation, even though he's anointed king of Israel, the Bible says, when all the men spoke of stoning him, David went and inquired of the Lord. And he went to Abiath of the priest and he says, bring me the ephod. The, the ephod is what a priest puts on to go and perform his duties before the Lord. David says, bring me the ephod. Because David had a revelation that he's trying to reveal to us that we are kings and priests. Now the Bible says that God has made us kings and priests. The Bible doesn't say that you can become a king or a priest. The Bible doesn't say you can become a king. The Bible says that He has made you a king and priest. Well, well you don't understand, Pastor. I don't, I don't feel qualified. I'm still struggling with this, and I'm still messed up with that, and I'm still jacked up over here. No, no, you need to understand. He has made you a king, and He has made you a priest. A king has two responsibilities, protection, provision. The word kingdom means king's dominion. It is an area that you govern over, an area that you reign over. My job, my job in my family is to recognize I'm the ox. I'm the first to sacrifice. I'm the strength of the house. I'm the strength of the family. Therefore, it is as I say, I've got four kids. I'd love to tell you that one shoe fits all. I'd love to tell you that the one size fits all. I'd love to tell you that the father that Jordan needed was exactly what Ash needed, but that wasn't the case. I found that when Jordan went through his stuff, that I needed to, I needed to look and I, I began to discover that I didn't have in me what it took to rescue this boy. I didn't, I, didn't, I didn't find, I couldn't locate everything he needed because my father had disconnected. But thank God I'd become a Christian. Thank God I came into a place where I could cry out, cover me, because Jesus taught me to pray, Our father, our God, that I am under a covering where God is my father and he's a perfect father and he could begin to fill in all that was dysfunctional he could be filling all that was broken it's an amazing thing to me that god has asked me to be for others what wasn't there for me he's asked me to be a nurturing husband i never saw that in the home he's asked me to be an affirming father he's asked me to be a champion father to my team and to that was never there for me but god says even though it wasn't there from your earthly house it's there from your heavenly house because the cry of your spirit son is cover me cover me what you you long for that your daddy earthly daddy didn't provide your heavenly daddy is providing the cry of your heart is cover me and I'm covering you Psalm 140 verse 7 the strength of my salvation is the Lord my God who covers my head in a time of battle when my child was battling with an addiction I had a covering over my head I had a heavenly father who was covering me he says I've got your back go and do this inquire of me you will overtake and you will surely recover all that was last. My Ash, different kid, needed a different, I had to find in God again. My Tommy, the same my Zoe, the same thing. Can I just tell you, whatever has been taken from you because of a lack of covering, you will surely recover all. As you inquire of God, as you step into God, you will recover all. (laughs) Protection, provision, but but he's made us kings and priests. He made us kings and priests. David put on the linen ephod, which is a priestly garment. What does that mean? That means that that you and I can inquire of the Lord. That means that you and I, as priests, what does a priest do? A priest atones for the people. You are the curse breaker and the blessing releaser. See, the devil wants you to believe that because your daddy wasn't there, because this abuse happened, because this dysfunction happened, because the house was burned down and the marriage was stolen and the children went astray and this happened and that happened, the way you ought to live is you ought to live with the badge of victimhood. You ought to, you ought to just say, well, I'm a victim and, and man, life dealt me a cruel hand and life's been unfair and where was God? But God wants you to know, you don't gotta live your life as a victim of the past, you can surely recover all as you come under covering, the covering of God. You come under a king of kings who will provide and protect, who will provide and protect, who will provide and protect, and you will recover all all that the enemy stole from you, all the years that the enemy stole is gonna come back to you. In Jesus' name, God show me that as the priest in my home, that I could I could stop the flow of curse. My father ran away from his home. He was a violent alcoholic abusive because his father was. And it was passed down and now landed in my lap. But God showed me when I came under his covering, he covers my head in the day of battle. And he says, Son, you can be the curse breaker and the blessing dispenser. You can change the the, the direction. You can change the trajectory. You can change the legacy of the Metesius household. Because now you have a God who has put you under His cover. Cover me. Cover me. Cover me. But you're going to make a decision you are going to make a decision. I'm putting on the EVA. I'm going to activate. The greatest way to activate is get to prayer, 5.30 in the morning. 5.30 Tuesday morning, you learn how to activate. Adam's silence. The serpent comes to Eve. The heck you doing, Adam? You're going to let her talk to... You're going to let him grab that thing... Adam's silence, Adam's passivity resulted in the greatest real estate financial loss in the history of humanity. The entire world was transferred to the devil because of Adam's silence. Let me tell you, man, what happens in the home. Again, science tells us that when a man fails to lead, And the devil will do whatever he can. He'll he'll show you all your your disqualifications, all your weaknesses, all the reasons why you don't have the right to lead. When a man abdicates leadership, when he steps back from leading, and the woman has to step into the breach, she has to step into the responsibilities that he ought to be carrying, her body releases testosterone because she's stepping into something that was designated for the man to carry, not for her to carry, releases testosterone so that she becomes mean. Butch. And so now there's escalated tension and argument. Oh, this is not what I... She had to become something that she was never designed to be because of the abdication of, we've got to raise up men. We're going to put the strength back in the home. We're gonna turn the statistics around. They're gonna look at the statistics of America and then see, wow, my God, what is happening in San Diego? They got the healthiest marriages, they got the healthiest families, they got the healthiest children, their children are graduating, they got the lowest lowest homeless rate, they got the lowest drug addiction rate, they got the lowest overdose rate, they got the lowest suicide rate. What is it about? It's because we're putting strength back in the home. The, The last one is committed committed. One of the saddest, saddest things. So I saw a kid in my youth group get absolutely set free from all kinds of sexual perversion and vice. Marries one of the, the worship leaders, have a beautiful little baby. And then just a couple of years ago, he's looking responsibility be a father or my own sexual vice. Responsibility father, my own sexual. You know what? I'm going to go this way. Just press repeat cycle. Now this little one has to grow up without a daddy. He didn't have a daddy, got abused. So he ends up in this lifestyle. Now he's gone back to that lifestyle. But there is a God that if you come under his leadership, if you come under his headship, you will surely recover all. You'll surely recover all. Cover me. Amen. 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 Just close your eyes, bow your head. In a moment, I'm going to have the ministry team come, but I'm going to pray for people tonight. But the first thing, the most important thing, the game changer for me was the day I accepted Christ. The game changer for me was the day that I become part of God's family. You can become part of God's family. The invitation by Jesus is join the family where you can call him our Father. He becomes a father over you. But you need to understand that as a father over you, God is the ox, God is the strength, God is the sacrifice. How do you know? Little tidbit for you. The first letter of the Hebrew alphabet is the Aleph. It's an ox. The last letter of the Hebrew alphabet is the Tav. The Tav is a cross. Jesus is the Alpha and the Omega, the beginning and the end. He is the perfect picture of the ox, the, the strength being sacrificed on the cross. And it's right there in the Hebrew. The day you accept Christ, you join the family of God and you find a covering comes over you. I cannot explain the blessings in my life when my father disowned me when I went to Bible college and told me I was out on my own. I was so nervous. I was so afraid. I remember when we were getting married, Leanne and I, being so fearful of, do I have what it takes to provide? Do I have what it takes to be a husband? But you know what I didn't realize? The cry in my heart was, cover me. Cover me. And I was under a covering. I was under a God who covers my head in the day of battle. When the battle came to get a home, there was a covering over me. When the battle came for my kid, there was a covering over me. When the battle came to provide, there was a covering over me. When the battle came to be the husbandly, there was a covering. When the the, the battle came to to be delivered from, there was a covering over me. When the battle came for curse to to finish and blessing to flow, there was a covering over me. That covering happens when you step into the family of God. If you're here today saying, hey, I've never surrendered to God, I've never come into His family, do that tonight. If you're here and you once were part of the family, but you slipped away, turned away, ran away, the world is so seductive. But nothing in the world is worth replacing, being in the family of God. Come back. Maybe you're just here tonight and you're far from God. Friend, don't live another moment far distant. Come undercover.